Hello, and welcome to the Armin Show podcast. Science, people, creativity, growing as individuals, learning more, connecting with individuals all around the planet in different categories that make sense to improving in our well-being and understanding authors, scientists. Subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, wherever it might be. The show continues to blossom. We will be including live streams in the near future. Panels are good. Support the show. On this one here, we have a guest. We have a person who does writing. They write a newsletter. They're part of a remote team building the world's best online writing school. They run creative experiments, long live creativity. That's one of the three key items of this show. And experimenting means you have some framework to go at something. My guest today is Charlotte Greisel. Charlotte, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you, Armin. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to have you on. Writing is super duper and creativity is very important. Before we get into that, where are you currently? Where have you been? Tell us about some locations <laughs> in your existence, your path as far as places. Okay, I'll, um, I'll, I'll keep it quite short and stick to the locations. Um, cool. So currently in Belgium, um, spending some time at my parents' place. Um, this is where I was born and raised, um, but I've actually spent the last 10 years living and working abroad for um, my past career in advertising. Um, spent a few years in New York, then a few years in Singapore, and then most recently in London. And that's where I am right now, or where I am still loving, living currently, um, but actually planning to move to Lisbon in a few months. So as you, I guess, as you can tell, I like to move around a lot. I like to live abroad um, and I'm kind of planning on doing that for a long time. Um, but so right now I'm in Belgium, which is really nice. Just spend, spend good quality time with, with friends and family. That's cool. Now, the first thing that comes to mind that is that when you're at different locations and each one makes me think of something different, New York is highly active, Singapore is concrete jungle, but has developed very well. Mm -hmm. uh, how would you say you are different after having gone to various locations? Let's say you didn't go to some of these locations and stay there for a while. Can you see some huge differences that would have taken place? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I actually think about this quite a lot because I feel like I've changed a lot as a person over the last few years. And I think a big part of that has to do with the fact that I've been living abroad. I think, I think it's quite hard to change drastically as a person if you stay in your hometown. Um, and that might not be the case for everyone, but I think it would have been for me. Um, so I feel like having had those 10 years abroad and kind of always arriving in new places where no one really knows you and you have to kind of start from scratch, it also allows you to change in ways that you wouldn't have if you stayed very close to your friends and family. Um, so I've changed a lot over the last few years, definitely. Um, and what's been interesting about like the different places that I lived in is that obviously I was always like in a different age range. So yeah, New York was like very fast paced, very, you know, high kind of high intensity living, which was great. And I was in my early twenties. So that's what I absolutely loved. Like, um, I don't think I could live there now as like an early 30 year old, but in my early twenties, that was great. And then Singapore really fit my age bracket of the time as well, which was like late, late twenties early thirties, which was a lot about like working hard and yeah, like really focusing on work, but still wanting to travel a lot and still wanting to, um, to party a lot as well. Um, and now I'm in my early thirties and kind of my priorities are shifting again. Now I want to like take it easier and, um, definitely less focus on partying, but still a lot of focus on working and kind of self-development and that kind of stuff. And, and that's why Lisbon is going to be a great place for me. So I feel like with every place, I'm kind of evolving and I'm kind of always looking for the place that fits what I'm looking for in the moment. Um, and so far, that's been, that's been going pretty well. I like that you mentioned the time periods because places are associated with that time. It's not the same as if it was in a different part of our existence. No. It'd be a completely different experience. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Because after Singapore, I moved to London for only 18 months. And I actually thought I was going to absolutely love it because I love New York so much. And it's kind of comparable 
vibes. Um, but I very quickly realized that I'm, I'm not in that same kind of mindset anymore. So a place like London doesn't really fit me anymore. Um, so, so that's why I'm kind of moving on to the next place. Um, it's a journey <laughs> and a search. Two things here. One, uh, Lisbon, one thing, but before that, how much of it is that, uh, when you go to a new place after the second or third or fourth or fifth place, are you really starting from scratch or does it feel like you now have a larger network does the feel does the starting from scratch still continue each time um yeah i guess i guess i've never even really had to start from absolute scratch there's always um a few people that you know through friends or through like belgium is quite a small place <laughs> so i feel like there's always one random belgian that you meet and they'll introduce you to 10 other belgians and then that belgian is a cousin of the cousin that you had, like it's it's so interconnected. So I feel like in every place I've always had that kind of Belgian group to rely on and then you kind of span out. But still, you still have to, you know, meet new friends and pick up new hobbies and kind of find your way again in every new place. Um, so, so every time it, it is like building building your life again, um, which, which is not always easy, but I've, I've always, that has always like given me a lot of, energy and 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 happiness i guess that's why i've done it so many times and why i'm doing it again <laughs> even though i said i wouldn't but i'm doing it again she's doing it again okay she's doing that's it cool. again stop her stop somebody stop somebody stop the transportation Someone yeah. it. that's true there's been when i think of two things one uh ricardo lopez he has the show the dissenter he's in uh i think near portugal or near lisbon somewhere there but when you think of Lisbon and or Spain, those two I kind of put together. It has a slower lifestyle. What about mm. the area drew you to it? Is there any specific details that you picked that versus like Morocco? Oh, interesting. Um, well, I think L Lisbon specifically because it is becoming a bit of a kind of remote worker hub in Europe. So mm. while while I definitely want to be in a place that's a bit like slower lifestyle more outdoor lifestyle i still want to be somewhere where it's quite buzzy and there's a lot of young people and a lot of there's a bit of that expat vibe as well because I, I just i just know that that's what i really love and what i really feel feel good in so um it's the combination of those things that really make lisbon a really good choice and and you know out, out of I guess all the like cities, bigger cities in, in Europe, there's, there, there are not that many choices. If you're then also looking for good weather, for example, which is what I'm looking for, then you kind of narrow down the search quite, quite quickly. Um, so yeah. Good weather is a big deal. It affects you daily. It, is. it affects you. Like, exactly. It can, take, it can knock out four months of a year in some locations or other locations. Mm. Interesting. It's nice to have that worldly sense. It's I think it's always helpful. If you told someone, would you rather have some sort of bigger picture sense and have gone to different places or have not been in many different places? There's very few people on the planet that would defend having stuck with one location harshly or like strongly because it, it doesn't have the most compelling message behind it. Which You can build more connections maybe in an area, but we have some exploratory nature. Yeah, definitely. Um, although I guess there's there's pros and cons to both, right? Whenever I come back home, I I am reminded of kind of the, the beauty of that community feeling of going to the city center and running into people I haven't seen for five years from or people from high school or you know it's it's there is kind of also a beauty to having that local community which which I don't necessarily have as strongly anymore. Um, right. So, yeah, it's just two very different lifestyles. Can't have it both. Cannot have it both. No. Nope. <laughs> Cannot choose all the parts. <laughs> now, I also, and I'm in Los Angeles, I always mention that, but long live that region. Now, you create a variety of items. I create a long live creative individuals. Being creative <laughs> is, because some people I've talked to, I've talked to many people in public, I've socialized a lot. Uh, like quite a lot uh, over many years and a lot of people will say i'm not creative they'll just say it directly they say i'm not a creative 
they may be creative in uh, some realms that are not more typically described as creative, but in their head, they're like, I'm not creative. So in the category of that, when did that start? And is writing the biggest category that you have connected with, where has it gone from your expression? Yeah, it's funny what you say about people saying I'm not creative, because that's definitely a line that I used to hide behind for a very, very long time as well. <laughs> and I would literally say those words. I am not creative. I used to work. You would in a, say that. A, oh, yeah. I used to work at a, in an advertising agency and I was the um, part of the account management team. So always working with the creative teams and managing the clients. And whenever something would come up, I would literally say, well, I'm not a creative person, so I, I, can't, I can't help you with this. I'll have to ask the creative team or then the people who are paid to be creative. <laughs> so I would, I would hide for a long time about the kind of the idea that I'm not a creative person and generally believe that for a long time as well. Um, and that has only really changed once I started writing online. Um, and to your question, yes, writing is my biggest thing like I'm, I am doing a lot of these like smaller creative experiments where I'm trying out video and where I'm trying out you know using online tools and that kind of stuff um, but it all revolves around writing um, and as you I think you mentioned in intro as well I am now also working for an online writing school um, a course an online course so both in kind of my personal life and my professional life, I am now very, very focused on writing and writing online specifically. When you think of writing, does it put our mind together? How are you before having written your thoughts or getting them out there? How are you afterwards? What kind of value can it bring to you as a person just from doing the process? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'd say for me, there are like a, a few, a few reasons why, why I write and why I think writing is, can be valuable for, for anyone. Um, not even, you don't need to want to be a professional writer. You don't need to want to be paid for your writing or want to build an online audience. Like just the skill of writing, I think is incredibly valuable for anyone for, for a few reasons. The first one is just the emotional benefits of taking the time to really write down your thoughts on paper. I think very few people actually do that and actually, um, yeah, really, really take the time to think about how do I feel about this? What's my opinion on this? Um, you know, how would I tackle this? Really taking the time to write those things down has, an, has really um, incredible like emotional benefits you start to understand yourself on a much deeper level. So that's emotionally. But then there's also, to me, like mental um, benefits. Writing, as you know, can be incredibly frustrating and can be incredibly difficult. Um, you, you don't write? No, I do, I do, I do, I do. Oh, you do, okay. <laughs> I was saying like the frustration of it, like, oh, something's not working out exactly. Yep, exactly. So writing can be incredibly frustrating and it, it takes a lot of, persistence and concentration and effort to keep going. So if you do this day after day, week after week, you really kind of train those mental abilities that I've noticed have had spillover effects in my work life as well. I've become a lot better at um, sticking with frustrating tasks or at focusing on something for a long period of time, just because I've been training that ability through my writing. Um, and then the last one is obviously like creative benefits, right? I feel like once you start writing online, you really start looking at the world through that lens of how can I write about this? What is interesting about this? What is special about this? You become a lot more observant. Um, and obviously I also started taking a lot of notes, um, and built this whole note-taking system. And so by doing that, you really, you just become a lot more intentional and aware about your experiences and about what you're reading, um, what you're listening to. Um, so all of that is, 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 has had really, really amazing benefits for me creatively as well. Um, so yeah, I think, I think everybody should try writing, online writing.
I have a story here that made, made me think of, but so this was let's say, a year or two ago. The stories are good. I don't include enough stories. I'm <laughs> at a location. I'm talking with somebody. We're recording. Okay. I talk after talk. I'm leaving. This is in person. I have my uh, briefcase or such with my laptop. The story will connect already. I just, I just wanted to include it. <laughs> okay, I'm I, waiting. <laughs> it's like out of nowhere. So uh, then I, we went outside and then I was like, oh, let's take a picture inside before we leave their location in, in like a building. And so I left my stuff outside, came inside. We rec recorded a clip about the content. And then this was like a minute, came outside, boom, my stuff is gone. So my laptop's gone. Now somebody had taken it. Great. But the point of this is that the next like month or so without my laptop, I still have my phone. But I wasn't doing my note taking as normal that I write daily. And it was like I was a blur, well, not a blur, but I wasn't able to get things going for like a month and a half because this kind of note taking is not does not speak to me. Typing it yeah. out does because I can do it faster and a lot goes on. And I won't forget that because I never realized the value of all my daily note taking and writing and messages to myself until it was gone. And suddenly I was like, one third as effective yeah yeah definitely definitely I, I i think I, i've become a bit of an obsessive note taker so i'm i'm not sure if it really works for everyone and i'm also not always sure if it if it's as efficient for me i've scaled it down quite a bit now actually <laughs> to make it a bit more efficient but i i really believe in writing down as many of your thoughts as possible, even if you don't know how you're going to use them. Because um, I think that's where a lot of people maybe go wrong with note-taking. They kind of overthink the structure and the organization and what's the point and how am I going to use this? And then you get lost in the mess and you spend more time organizing notes than actually using them. Whereas where I've been able to evolve after two years is having some kind of very loose system where I can just dump all of my thoughts, all of my observations. And I have a basic organization, of course, and some taggings, but it, it's very minimal. And I've just noticed how when I'm writing now, I can very easily retrieve things and very easily retrieve ideas and resources that I can then use in my writing. So um, I've really started seeing the power of note-taking and, and writing down my thoughts and being able to then use those in my writing later on. That's a good point that it's, it's not good to consolidate while you are in the expansion process. You're like consolidating while you're supposed to be expanding. It's like countering your own force. You have to put out all your material and then you can come back through it. And then yeah. what would be, how would you describe your system? So like some things about my journal writing is not so useful because I always have the idea that I'll go back to six months ago, a year and a half ago and check it. But most of the time it just stays there. And then my golden thoughts, they're not linked back. Do you have any ways to link things back in some form? Thoughts on that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I guess there's like two parts to my system. One is my journal. Um, so I use an app called Day One. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's it's a journaling app. It's a digital a digital system and I have that on my computer and my phone and that's where almost daily or at least every two days I'll just write down thoughts and observations about my day and about what I've been up to and I actually go through those journals at the end of every month and I know that sounds time consuming but it's actually not really by now it takes me maybe 20 minutes to half an hour at the end of the month to kind of go through all my different entries and just take out high level observations and thoughts. And I do that for every month. And then at the end of the year, that's what I use for kind of my annual review and thinking ahead and planning ahead for the next year. And I've been doing that for two years now. And it's just, it's just been so incredibly powerful and helpful not only to remember what I've done, because it's insane how quickly I forget, but also to kind of see patterns and see how I've grown, how I've changed, um, what I should be focusing on the next year. Um, so that has been super, super helpful. So that's my kind of the journaling element of it. But then I also have the more um, 
how should I even call that? It's more my note-taking system around everything I'm reading, I'm reading about. So that's, you know, whenever it's, it's a whole setup between my Kindle, whenever I highlight, it all gets saved into a note-taking app. Um, so I can then use that in my writing. So that's, that's less my own personal thoughts and, and, you know, ruminations from my journal, but more the note-taking system around, um, everything I'm, I'm reading and, and learning about. Um, so those are two quite different, two quite different systems that I use. I like those quite a bit. The idea of reviewing, I could even apply that at the end of the month because then you have your, let's say 30 days of notes. Okay. What did I write a lot about repeatedly? What were the little tidbits that I probably forgot about, but there were some golden nuggets. I can save that into some section for use. Was there anything that like I kept telling myself I need to do it? Okay, clearly I told myself nine times this month, so yeah, that would be valuable. No, exactly, and and I keep it very simple. It's literally um, a few bullet points for what 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 went well, and then a few bullet points for what didn't go so well. And I do that for every month. And like I said, it takes me thirty minutes to put together, and at the end of the year, I go through it, and it's it's quite remarkable. Um, kind of the, the learnings you can get from that. Because ultimately a year is quite long, even though it flies by, but there's so much you can do and so much you can learn in one year. And if you don't keep track of that, and if you don't have some kind of system to review, I, I think you lose out on a lot of learnings. It'll just float away. That's yeah. another point. Actually, on that point of the year, maybe speak of, think of something. Is there a specific year that comes to mind? There might be one or might not that, wow, that year was highly impactful in existence. Is there one that comes to mind where you're like, that year really was a package deal for my being? I mean, the, the, the first year that comes to mind is um, 2021 COVID as for so many people. But that was for me a kind of a turning point in the sense that I started writing online and sharing online. And that has changed the trajectory of my life from there, from then until, until now in terms of um, changing industry, um, starting a completely new job um and really starting to build this kind of online presence um which has just been been so amazing in, in so many different ways just for me emotionally but also like i said professionally um as well as meeting people you know so many interesting people i've met online if, if you had told me this a few years ago that i would be meeting up with people that i've met on twitter i would absolutely roll my eyes at you and and yeah, exactly. <laughs> and think that's that's super lame and super weird. Whereas now I think it's it's the most amazing thing. Like when I was in Lisbon, I was there for a month um, and I've met up with two people that I met through Twitter. And it was just, it was so, so nice. It was so, it felt like these were people I had known for, for the longest time, just because we had already been talking so much online about you know, the stuff we're interested in and the stuff we're reading and kind of following each other's work. And when I then met with them in person, um, it, it just felt like absolutely normal. Um, and so that all started with writing online. None of that would have happened if I hadn't started a blog and started a newsletter and, and joined an online writing course. Um, so, so yeah, that, that kind of, that decision to do that, that changed, changed everything. That's a big one when you find the people that really mesh with you. Yeah. Especially when there might be just a few, you mesh with them and then you're like, this one individual like that can make up for a thousand other individuals that is not at the same wavelength that you are at. Absolutely. Pretty impactful. That's a cool one. Now, the compounding effect, does writing compound? If you write, uh, let's just say your thoughts, one, two, three, four, five, six days in a row, does it start to get good after that, the eighth, ninth, tenth day? Can someone benefit from that? Is there something that is canceled when you take a four-day break and a 10-day break and a two-month break? Um, if you had asked me that question last year, I would have probably said yes. I would have said, 
don't break the streak, keep riding, keep going, push yourself. It's all about consistency, blah, blah, blah. All those things you see on Twitter and all those, you know, uh, but if you ask me that now, exactly. Um, if you, I've actually changed my mind on that quite a bit, just because I've seen, um, how it has worked for me personally and how I've had major, I, I don't even necessarily want to call it an up and a down because it, it, it hasn't down sounds so negative, but I guess major like rhythms in terms of creativity and motivation and, um, energy to write. So I've, I have had weeks where I just didn't write as much just because I didn't have the mental energy for it. And I used to beat myself up for that and try to push through it. But now I just let it happen. And I try to really kind of surrender to that feeling of low energy and use it as a moment to just relax a bit, less reading, less podcasting. Usually that happens for me, that moment of less of low energy when I've been, I've been going too hard. You know, I've been reading too much, listening to too many podcasts, getting way too much input and way too much. I'm just over, overstimulated. Um, and that then really impacts my writing as well. And I've noticed that for me, then just taking a step back for a few days, and then coming back to it when I kind of intuitively feel that I'm feeling motivated again, works so much better. And I've had times when, you know, I'd be struggling on an essay or struggling on a newsletter and it's not working, it's not flowing. And I just step, step away from it for a few days. And when I come back to it, it's like it clicks and you just work on it and it works. So I, I, I don't believe anymore in like consistency at all costs. I think you know, we're energetic beings and there's a whole neurochemistry behind this as well. Um, so there, there's, there's more to it than, than, um, than just pushing yourself. You know, there's, there's times when you also actually have to listen to your body and listen to your energy levels and, and go with that. And I found that that works a lot better for me. It's a cool one there. When there's those good high energy moments, we can do so much and it's worth like four or five times the average moment. And then those other times where it's, you're not feeling it, you can't counter it. I've never been able to counter those moments by like, just push against it. You're just gonna, it's a wall that cannot be. It really is. It really, really is. And to me, the most fascinating thing has been learning about the neurochemistry behind that. So learning about the whole dopamine system. When I, I actually had a quite a major <laughs> writing rut in March, I was just, and I just, I didn't get it. I couldn't understand. What happened in like, March? What happened? I honestly, well, no, I was going to say I have no idea, but I actually do have an idea. It's because I pushed myself way too hard in February. And it was just constant, constant, constant wanting to write. Every free moment, I felt like I had to fill it up with something productively even going out for a walk had to be had to be combined with listening to a podcast taking notes like it's it's too much it was too much so and i really felt the effects in march and that's when i started reading about the whole dopamine system and how you can how you can deplete your dopamine in your system and that that has a direct effect on how motivated you feel and how willing you feel to push through efforts and how you know, willing you are to reach your goals. So what I really realized then, and I, I just find that super fascinating is that, you know, being in that, in that moment of low motivation is not a weakness of mine. It's, it doesn't mean that I should just push myself harder. All it means is that I've depleted my dopamine system and there are certain things I need to do to fill it back up and <laughs> I can, do that and then get back to writing or I can resist it and make it last for a lot longer. Um, so I've, I've really been reading a lot about those systems and what you can do to then work with your body instead of trying to work against it. And um, I've been doing that now, yeah, March, April, May, and 
goes it goes really well you know i just i feel like i'm in a lot more i'm in just a lot more like stable creative energy you feel like you're pushing less against your internal biochemistry yes. you're more flowing with it absolutely yeah, that's yeah. A key thing we don't want to deplete and then because then it won't be worth it. The idea that, okay, oh, I pushed a little bit harder. Okay, I got three more percent. And then now I'm out for the week, two weeks, three weeks, or I even forgot about the thing. Some people, maybe they moved to a different venture and that thing ended because uh, too exactly. far off. Exactly. And, and I think looking back now, I see that's what I used to do before starting to write online. I always felt like I was someone who would you know, start a lot of new things, but kind of lose interest quite quickly and give up quite quickly. And... I'm seeing now what I was doing. I was doing the same thing, but I didn't have the background yet around dopamine systems and the whole neurochemistry about behind motivation. Um, so I didn't really realize what, what to do about it and how I could recharge myself to go back to the project with kind of renewed energy and motivation. Um, so it's, it's really fascinating stuff that once you start understanding those systems a little bit better, how you can, how you can really use them and leverage them in in your life well here's one question that comes to mind if one has all the creativity and expression now as you do but you were only creating in the last couple of years if i talked to 10 years ago version of you are the thoughts not there is there a feeling like i'm supposed to be expressing what does that 10 10 years ago version of you think about the space or did you just blossom this end from nowhere what, what do you mean exactly? What, what would 10, like, year, 10 year ago Charlotte think of? Like, yeah, 10 years ago, Charlotte, what would she say if I said, hey, are you a, um, do you have creative thoughts you want to put out? What are your thoughts? Did she have no thoughts and <laughs> not express them? Oh, she them? had thoughts. <laughs> <She> had... <laughs> oh, she had many thoughts. <laughs> what happened with her thoughts was it like she had them and then okay i'll just let them go or what was the way they'll be different from today um that's a good question i only do good we only do good questions on this program of course of course that's the rules also charlotte is thoughtful i want to say award-winning thought is good it is good and and there were There were many thoughts, but I think there was not a lot of awareness of them or any awareness of them, actually. Um, and that only really started when once I started journaling and, you know, and taking the time to really write them down. Um, there was, there was a lot of, I mean, I guess as so many like early 20 year olds have, there was a lot of kind of insecurity and anxiousness around things. Looking back at it now, we're all so silly, but that's, that's how I, that's how it was. <laughs> and, um, yeah. We are silly early on. Sorry. We are quite silly early on. We are, we are. And, and, and just a bit, I do remember being quite lost in terms of what's my, what's my thing going to be? Um, what am I good at? What do I enjoy doing? I remember feeling very self-conscious about the fact that I didn't really have um, like deep interests or hobbies or talents. I always felt like other people had that. Other people had this thing that they could talk about passionately or, you know, very confidently or people who had this hobby that they're super into um, or this skill that they're just really naturally good at. And I always felt like I didn't have that. And I remember always being very insecure about that. Um and all of that only really changed once I started again writing online. <laughs> so that uh, that clearly changed a lot for me. Does it say something that if you were insecure about that, you actually saw in yourself that quality 
was there and you wanted to go in that direction because if i'm sure some people were not insecure about that category they were insecure about something else and that was the thing that mattered to them that later on they would want to build up so maybe that was like inklings underneath of wait a minute there's something there that i would like to have that i have that already but i can't like i haven't linked to it directly in my mind yeah no there definitely was because i remember even when i was um 18 i did this like six months traveling and i had started a travel blog then and oh, i wish i had kept up with it because that would have been like 15 years ago it would have been huge by now i would have been a like my blog 15 years ago we both had a blog exactly. 15 years ago that was like the prime time of blogging if i had only kept up kept up with it but i didn't um but but it Wait. was clear that i would... I have a hmm? great question related to that i also left yes. my item but later on, I looked back that if I didn't have something like that, that I then uh, let go at some point, the second time around, I might let this thing go, whatever it might be. You know what I'm saying? Now suddenly you're like, oh, wait a minute. I have a thing that has a value that builds. Is that something that maybe now you see that uh, if you have maybe. something now, you might hold? Maybe. It's impossible to know, right? Maybe. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, I don't regret it too much. Um, but it's, it's just funny to think about, but it, it also just shows that kind of the writing was already there for me. Um, but there was a lot of embarrassment around it. I felt like, you know, writing online is, is you have to be quite a bit like arrogant and a bit self-indulgent to do that. Like why, why would, why would anybody be really interested in your ideas? Um, so for the longest time I felt like that's not just something that someone like I, like me would do. Um, so that's why I guess it took such a long time between my 18 year old travel blog and then my 32 year old um, newsletter and yeah, newsletter Charlotte. Speaking of your newsletter, Stretch Newsletter, can you tell us about it? What do you like to put out on there? And what's the name? Stretch. What does that represent? Stretch. It's so funny. I, I literally came up with that name so quickly because I was like, I need to start. I'm not going to overthink the name. It doesn't matter. I can always change it later. I'm just going to start. And that's what I did. Um, and now the, the name has kind of grown grown on me. So, so that's good. Um, I've been writing that now for 15 months. So started in January of last year and oh, I absolutely love it. Like my newsletter is my favorite thing to do in the whole wild. But do wild. you love it, Charlotte? <laughs> do you love it though? I love it. Yeah, I do. It's like a newsletter is, it's such a, it's such a, an amazing thing to write. Cause it's, it's, it's really like your own little piece of the internet where you can just share your ideas in a very low friction way. I also like to like write articles and put them on my blog, but I always feel like those are a heavy lift because it's like an article and you need to like make sure it's, you know, there's, there's more elements to it. Whereas a newsletter feels a, li a little bit more casual. Um, so I've really been loving using my newsletter to, yeah, just share a bunch of ideas, share resources, share some personal updates, share observations, connect with people who are reading my stuff. Um, so a newsletter has been really great for that. And it's, it's kind of been evolving over the last 15 months, but I feel like now I'm really honing down on what my topics are that I really like to write about. And it, it is all about a little bit like what I was just talking about, the whole neurochemistry um topic that's 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 kind of the areas that i really love to to write about it's the neuroscience and the psychology behind motivation and focus and resilience and creativity um and really share ideas and resources that um that people can use to try out um yeah, try out certain techniques and cer certain tools to get their to get to know their own minds and bodies better. Um, so that's that's what I've really been focusing on and and what I've been been enjoying writing about. 
question here from a personal standpoint. Even when I had my blog a long time ago, I was thinking about starting a newsletter. It was about four years that I had that blog. I never did. And then recently I have not. But if someone wanted to start a newsletter from scratch today, other than having the like a PO box or some physical address or a virtual address because you need that for a newsletter, what other frictional points might there be to having one started like from tomorrow and just start getting people's emails? Well, I, I, I think for a lot of people it is things like what is the name going to be of my newsletter? How often am I going to send it? What am I going to talk about? Those three things I have noticed is what people get hung up about and think, don't I need to have that perfectly figured out before I can start sending emails? And what I would say to that is you don't because if you wait to have that figured out, you are going to lose time and you might never start then. Um, and because that's exactly how I've started. I picked a name in five minutes. I randomly decided to start sending it out every two weeks because I also wasn't sure if weekly would work for me. So I wanted to kind of lower the barrier for myself and just instead of deciding one week every week, I said, I'm just going to do it every two weeks and I'm just going to start writing. I'm not 100% sure yet exactly what my topics are going to be, but I'm just going to start and refine as I go. And it's now been 15 months. And if I, as I just mentioned, I'm only now starting to feel like I'm kind of finding my, my topics, groove. my oh. groove, exactly. Yeah. And, but, but, you know, finding my groove through finding my topics. Um, so that took me 15 months. Had I waited to start my newsletter before I would figure that out? I, I don't, it's not possible. You have to go through the motions and go through the process and go through that trial and error to really be able to figure that out. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's what I, I always try to recommend to people whenever, and obviously we, we, as part of the, my, my job at Rite of Passage, the online writing course, we help people get set up with their newsletter and we, we encourage people to get started. And that's, that's just what I've noticed where most people kind of get stuck. Those first few elements of name, logo, topics. Um, and, and we always try to get it in people's minds that you won't know until you start. And it is going to feel uncomfortable at first. And it is going to take some searching. And no, you won't have a lot of readers yet in the beginning. And you might lose a few readers if you change topics too often. But that's all going to be part of the process to, yeah, to, to kind of get closer to your groove. What's one, just a specific one, what's one service you might recommend for putting out a newsletter? Is there a name that comes to mind or like a basic way? Is there, a, what's one? So I've, I've personally been using Beehive which is just, it just makes it incredibly easy to start. You don't even need a PO box. Um, oh. I think that's, that's, <laughs> that's. Because for me, uh, the, the logistical hangups are more hang up. The, the three things you mentioned, I'm like good to go. Well, then you are good to go, Armin, because <laughs> you don't have any excuse then. With Beehive, it's literally, it takes you a few minutes to set up an account and you're good to go. And then um, there's also Substack, of course, which is also very low friction to get started. So that's true. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. I've made a sub stack. That's cool. I, I don't think of it as a newsletter. I think of it as a sub stack for some reason, but that's funny. It is, it is a newsletter. It is a newsletter. That's a <laughs> <laughs> the, for me, I've noticed a lot of times the little, very small logistical things are the issue. Not the, there's usually these items that hold it back 94, 98% of people. And then yeah. there's like the, you were supposed to open this URL. This stopped me, but the, these things no. So that's good. We should all understand our points of what is our thing and then speak, speak that out into the world until we can figure out that part or speak about it, write about it. I've, I've talked about that, like speak or write to the way you want to go until some, something, somebody will show up or some book or something yeah. or some website. Something is going to click. Something is going to click, but it, it takes time. Right. How can a person in 2023, maintain their focus? Oof. 
It's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> that Out is a big nowhere. question. Out of nowhere. Um, and and also to maintain their attention span. Oh, hello. <laughs> um, well, I, 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 what I would say is is as always, and as I've I guess already mentioned the word a few times, it's about awareness about your own triggers and pitfalls where, when is it difficult for you to focus? When is it easier for you to focus? What breaks your focus? Are there certain techniques that you've tried where you've noticed that you, that, that are, that help with focus and really being very aware and almost like experimenting with those things and taking notes, making observations. Cause those are the kind of things that I also write down in my journal when I've had a really good work day. Why was that? What did I do differently when I had a really unfocused and unmotivated work day? Why was that? Was I, did I exercise in the morning or in the evening? Did, did I have a big lunch or a very light lunch? Did I, you know, like all those little elements about my day, I try to make some notes about that and then look for some patterns. And after having done that now for about like a year and a half, I, I'm, I'm very aware of what works well for me and what doesn't work. And I try as much as I can to kind of craft my days around that now. Um, and it's, it's things like, you know, nutrition and exercise, obviously, but also um, how I structure my day, what kind of tasks are good for me in the morning, what kind of tasks are good for me in the afternoon. There's a really big difference for me. And if you're not aware of those things, or if you never pay attention to those things, then you're kind of going in blind. Um, and then it's, it's a lot harder to focus and it's a lot harder to, to get your work done. At least that's what I've noticed for myself. That makes sense. Yeah, we do have those key points. And anytime I have uh, willingly given up one of those important parts of my day where the focus was going great and then I included someone that I didn't need to at that time or I switched the plan when I didn't need to, boom it's gone and that was like yeah. you let it go you don't want to do that you want to hold on to those key parts and then when it's not a key part it's not a big deal about uh doing a variety of things but we have those main focused points we don't want to let go of. yeah definitely and i mean it, it it does take discipline right it's it's i guess for some people that doesn't necessarily sound as sexy to be as <laughs> disciplined and as like analytical almost about your day but I have just found that that you can just get so much more out of your hours if you're intentional about it. And then you actually end up working less than someone who goes in completely blind. Um, so yeah. Wait, we're, we're gonna rewrite the framework. Charlotte, say, say that you're disciplined. I got this. Yep. <laughs> no, no, it's, okay. I was gonna do a little skit there, but. Okay. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I missed, I missed it. What do you want me to say? Right. So you're like, I'm disciplined. I'm disciplined. Wow, that's such a hot characteristic that is more important than other features. We switched the framework there. Now it's a new thing. We've altered it. Now that's the cool feature. <laughs> We've changed the framework. We did it. Teamwork. I mean, for online, it is quite a cool feature, right? All the productivity stuff and all the, yeah, it's a whole world. Right. It's one of the main ones on the internet. It is. What are what are some, I usually include this earlier, but what are some key personality traits you identify with or like Big Five or Myers-Briggs or any of those that it's you, you, you take it as you and it may be useful in what you do? Well, it's, the first one that comes to mind is curious about the topics that I'm interested in. <laughs> I can, I can be, um, yeah, just very curious about, about certain things and then go into deep rabbit holes and read a lot about it and listen to podcasts and just look up a lot of information about it. So, um, a very deep curiosity about, about a lot of topics, um, adventurous as well, I'd say. 
just having had that kind of international experience for the past for the past 10 years um Oh, I just feel like I'm I'm kind of giving myself compliments here now. To, no to description, descriptions, <laughs> descriptions are, I guess, our descriptions a compliment. Yes, because our descriptions that we identify with are the things that we have a strength in. So I guess they are. I never thought about it that way. When we describe ourselves, like these are these four features, we pick those because those are our, we wouldn't usually pick something that we don't really identify with or are not skilled in. So it is sort of a compliment. I never thought about that. Well, that's funny i guess maybe not necessarily right you could you could oh yeah it could be like despondent and then that would Despond be <laughs> <laughs> then that wouldn't right that's true but that individual maybe is processing more deeply than some others that is true that is true right fair i feel like it's good to have a sense like awareness like you talked about we don't have the awareness you have the things but they don't get anywhere because you don't know you have the thing. It's like you have a bunch of tools for your garden. You don't know you have the tools. So you look at your garden and say, I don't know what I'm going to do there. But once you know, oh, okay, these are tools. Suddenly you had the same garden. Now you have the tools, boom, ready to go. It was already there. The awareness is like bringing it into your uh, location in a way to use it. Yeah, definitely. My last question for you on this one will be, what would be a message you would want to send to people through the content you have created in recent time, is there any larger messages you are trying to get to the general populace? I'd say, and you know, this is a message as much um, to myself. Um, those are the best ones. Those are the best ones. But to me, it is. And, and that's what kind of my all my writing revolves around. It is about being curious about your mind and your body because there is there is so much to learn and it's so deeply fascinating and once you start learning about your nervous system and kind of the basics of it i'm not talking about like going deep and hard into the science of it but once you start learning the basics of how your brain works you just start seeing how much how much control you really have and how much you can actually do and change in your day-to-day -day life to feel better, to think better, to look better. And that that's all in, in your control. Just by making small tweaks to your day-to-day -day habits and, and kind of your day-to-day -day activities. And I, I, it's just endlessly fascinating. So I would, I would say have, have that curiosity about how this body works and how this brain works and, and you'll be amazed by the things that you can do have curiosity about your internal world charlotte yep i i would like to thank you for having joined on this episode of the discussion on the armin show from belgium showcasing quite a bit and sharing with us your knowledge thanks armin thanks for having me this was fun Sorry, I missed the, the sketch idea. I think you're going to have to cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And we are out.